Welcome to another edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing our ongoing series, Better Know an SEO Pro. We'll be joined by Kevin Gibbons in just a moment. But first, I just wanted to let you know that today's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show is brought to you by Shop SEJ. Did you know that more than 1 million SEO and marketing professionals visit Search Engine Journal every month? Want to get your brand or product noticed by our audience? Now you can with ShopSEJ.com. Advertising on Search Engine Journal is super easy and fast. Whether your goal is to build brand awareness, generate qualified leads, or promote a product or service, we'll help you find the most effective advertising option for you. Promoting your brand to people who matter has never been this easy. Advertise with Search Engine Journal and see the results for yourself. Visit now to learn more about our advertiser special. If you buy three native ads, the fourth one is totally free. We also offer ebook, webinar, and podcast sponsorship, and many more products. Find the right advertising solution on Shop SEJ for your company. Visit shopsej.com to learn more. Again, that's shopsej.com. In today's edition of Better Know and SEO Pro, I will be talking to Kevin Gibbons. Kevin is the CEO and co-founder of ReSignal, an award-winning SEO and content marketing agency. Founded the agency as SEO Optimize in 2006, which became a leading UK SEO agency. Became Blue Glass UK in 2012 and was rebranded last year to become ReSignal. Kevin started in the industry in 2003 as a student working at a web design agency. He has contributed in the past to e-consultancy, the drum, and search engine watch. He has spoken at conferences including PubCon, SMX, and Brighton SEO, and of course one of my old favorites, the old SES conference, now defunct. Uh, Kevin is the reigning 2018 UK Search Personality of the Year. And his agency has won more than 12 awards between the UK and EU uh, search awards, uh, among many others. I was just trying to count up all the awards and I lost count. Uh, you can find Kevin on LinkedIn uh, at uh, Kevin Gibbons and on Twitter at Kevin Gibbo. Kevin, welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. It's great to have you on today. Yeah, thanks, Danny. It's great to be involved. Awesome. So uh, let's kick off. So as I mentioned in the intro, you are the reigning UK Search Personality of the Year. So uh, let's start there. So uh, what did winning that, <laughs> that title mean uh, to you? Um, it was, I would say it's an incredibly proud moment. It's just something that I've contributed in this industry since, I would say, I mean, I've been involved in SEO since 2003, probably more heavily involved within kind of the search industry as we know it in terms of back then forums and um yeah, becoming conferences since say 2006, 2007, and being um, quite well established, I guess, in this space, um, it's it's nice external recognition. So um, yeah, it's something that was a, a very nice surprise, but um, yeah, yeah, very proud to receive that. And did you have any clue that you were going to win or was it like a total shock to you? Um, I think I had a couple of hints, but it, not enough that I thought, okay, that I'm I'm going to win this. Uh, it was more uh, I I knew that I'd previously been been shortlisted for this, and I, I think it's one of those awards where you can 
put yourself forward. Um, personally, I haven't actually done that myself. It's been nominations through the judges. Um, and yeah, it's always been nice to hear that I'm amongst other shortlisted candidates. So um, so yeah, I knew there's potential I might have been in the frame, but yeah, it's, it's not something I, I would ever go to an event expecting to win. I know that for sure. Sure. Uh, so other than winning that night, is there anything else that you remember most about that night? That sort of just sticks out as, uh, I don't know, maybe someone coming up and congratulating you, or was there anything just sort of that you'll always remember from that night? Yeah, I think just the level of congratulations is, um, because it's a personal award, like you say, we have won a large number of awards as an agency. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first one I've won that is a, a personal award. And um, I mean, I've, I've said several times afterwards that although it is a individual accolade, it, it's something that is purely a, the team behind me that is uh, helping to contribute towards that. But mm -hmm. they're, they're definitely the ones that if I look good, it's because of them. Um, <laughs> but I think from, yeah, in terms of the evening, it was nice to, to hear positive comments from the judges, I would say more than anything in terms of uh, the, there's a few comments of they, they really wanted me to win and et cetera. And again, the judges can't, I, I know this through judging the U S search awards. You can't, give too much away but um yeah it's just nice to receive congratulations and um yeah like i say it's it's nice recognition when it's amongst industry peers that i highly respect mm -hmm. would you consider that a career highlight yeah absolutely um and again i think for me the awards is never it's never a goal it's kind of more a byproduct of of what i'm doing so for for myself I've always tried to um, contribute in the industry, which has led to contributing to thought leadership, whether that's blogging, speaking, and um, raising my profile. Uh, but I've always done it for the reason of either trying to grow the agency and um, for our clients, we need to deliver good work in order to retain and grow with them. Um, and that helps to attract more clients. That is always the primary objective, but I, I've always felt that if we can um, if we can do that to a high standard, then generating the, the recognition from awards afterwards is, is a, a nice byproduct to have. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's never a goal. It's never intentional. And I, I wouldn't say I, I would set out, and I'm not sure it's healthy to do this, to say we have to win this award or X amount of awards in order to be happy. You have to be happy in kind of the work and the process and everything that else that goes with it but um it's a it's a nice icing on the cake i would say absolutely cool uh and you you said something interesting in your thank you post that i wanted to ask you about um that your biggest strength isn't knowledge but your network could you talk about that a little bit and uh sort of why you think that that's so important for you in your career yeah exactly um i think from my perspective Almost going back a step, when I got involved in SEO, it was very much about being absorbed in how do I learn as much as possible about this new industry that everyone at the time was trying to learn more about. And the more I could understand and the more I could learn, um, the more I can help our clients. And that's great at a certain level. And I found that the problem is it, it doesn't scale, or at least I don't scale. So I can be involved in our key clients. I can be involved in speaking at conferences, being involved in pitches, but I can't do all of 
the work of the agency myself from start to finish. And I think the key thing for me is SEO during that time has got much broader. It's much more difficult. Um, it's a mix of many different disciplines from technical SEO to creative content to um, digital PR, et cetera, that there's no way one person can be excellent at all of those. Um, and it's about the combination of building a great team. So if I'm the best in the room at all of those things, we know that we're, as an agency, we're never going to be any stronger than I am personally, which mm -hmm. is a weakness. Mm -hmm. So we have to bring people, and I would say we're now there, which is great, where we have people who I can honestly say in our team are stronger than me at technical SEO, creative content production, digital PR, account management, etc. And I can guide them, and I can have that commercial expertise and experience that means that I'm not just growing the agency, but I can make sure we're, we're adding value to our clients. Mm -hmm. And also, a lot of it is the, you don't know what you don't know. So having a network when something comes up that you've never experienced before, whether that is um, an SEO challenge, agency growth, um, even personal, it's like just having people that you can turn to and ask for advice in certain situations mm -hmm. is hugely valuable because it, it's rare that you encounter something that no one else has ever encountered before. Every, everything is is normally um, a challenge someone else has faced at some point in time and knowing who to turn to and get support from for those questions can really help to fast track and um, rather than just learning from mistakes all the time, which I would say I definitely did in the early days and still do today. But if you can reach out to people within your network, then, um, yeah, hopefully you can gain from their expertise and experiences in order to make smarter decisions. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, so now let's go back a little bit to the start of your career journey. Um, notice that you started in web development. Um, I was curious about... Uh, how you sort of made the transition from web development um, and how you sort of started learning about SEO and why SEO um, really started to appeal to you? Um, the honest answer is I don't think I was very good at web development. Ah. <laughs> and, um, so I did a mix of computing and business at university. I went on a, a, um, a placement year at a web design agency in Oxfordshire, which is where I'm from originally. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I was there as a student web developer and um, I was interested in it and I was was keen to learn, but I would say it wasn't a, a strong skill set just based purely on the fact that, I mean, at the time I must've been 22 years old, um, didn't have that much experience in web development, kind of thought that was a career path for me. Um, mm -hmm. but at that age, I think it's very difficult to know exactly what you want to do. And I think in even today, if there's, say, junior people in our team or elsewhere that I could advise, I think actually trying to get almost like a broad um, overview of the areas you think you're interested in at an early stage, I think, is, is useful. And for me, SEO just became something that I, I really took to. So at the time... Uh, um, there were SEO clients for the agency, but it was kind of an add-on um, to to web development. But they were large brands, so um, you might not be familiar with these, but kind of the likes of WH Smith, Chorus Hotels, um, actually Epson uh, Printers. Mm -hmm. And 
I can't remember honestly if they were they were doing SEO for them at the time, but it, it was something that um, the agency was getting into, and I just found it was a, a hot topic that I wanted to look into a lot more. And as a student that didn't have much money, um, I found it fascinating in order to play around with how can I build build my own websites and generate affiliate income. So mm-hmm. um, I I built a number of very small sites that had Google AdSense on them. Um, quickly realized that I could make beer money, I would say, more than anything else. But if I'm making, say, $5 a day, that was, as a student previously making nothing, that was a, oh, yeah. a, a nice um, <laughs> pot of beer money at the end yeah. of the week. Yep. Um, and it, it's also, the, for me, the best way to learn. It's your, you're just testing and learning and running experiments, and then you, you learn what works and you learn what doesn't what doesn't work so well and build that into what you do more of and what you do less of. And um, yeah, I I found that really eye opening in terms of, um, yeah, purely just how to make myself some money at that stage. Didn't really realize it was a skill that was something that I could do as a a consultant. It was purely, um, yeah, through the passion of trying to learn something and the, the instant gratification of, I can see that today I have made a dollar in Google AdSense and mm-hmm. the next day $2. And um, yeah, you, you kind of very slowly see that starting to work. And it, it doesn't really matter to me if it was um, how low that amount of money was. It was more the fact that it, I felt accountable for what I was doing. And um, through the fact that I was learning and getting better, that kind of took me on to... Um, just through being curious into to doing more of it and improving my skill set. Gotcha. Uh, do you think there were any skills from you know starting in web web development that sort of helped in your uh, SEO career, or do you think in the reviews? Yeah, absolutely. Like just basic HTML skills go mm-hmm. a long way. Yep. And even today, just things like even if it's WordPress and you're editing HTML, you know, view like just being handy at doing things and mm-hmm. being able to. Uh, I mean, back then, being an affiliate marketer, I couldn't afford to pay a web designer or a developer. I had to do everything from scratch. So sure. I built my own websites. That again, the design. I'm sure if you look back today, is hideous. But back then, <laughs> it it was enough that makes you money. And um, uh, yeah, I think just being embraced in how do, how can I do something from start to finish. Was a really good way to go, and likewise, I, I then got involved in not just affiliate marketing, SEO. I kind of did my own paid search, uh, build up social followings, email marketing, etc. And I think that was just a great way to feel in control of I'm I'm treating something as my own brand that I'm trying to build up as much as I can. Um, and yeah, at that stage, I. I'll get involved in doing as much as I can from from all angles, purely for the fact that I think this would be a good way to promote it, and it it wasn't at the level where I could afford to use anyone else for it. Okay, so we'll fast forward a little bit up to March of two thousand six, and you founded SC Optimize. Um, yep. So, what sort of uh, how did you decide to start your own business at that point? Um, what were you thinking? Um, and yeah, just like did you sort of have a, a long-term goal to build that into, you know, from just being you to an, a proper agency or did you just sort of start it uh, sort of like 
your own thing at, at that point. So I feel like the right answer is to tell you that I had a long-term vision that has worked perfectly <laughs> since day one. <laughs> and I, I, I would like to think I'm not the only one, that it's just that's a complete lie. And I think from my perspective back then, it was definitely how do I take what I was doing on an affiliate marketing level? So at that point in time, I, I had a job um, that was doing web development a year after uni. So this was at a different company. Mm -hmm. um, I was building affiliate websites on the side, largely through property. And um, yeah, I, through building those up, I got myself into a position where my salary, which was reasonably low, um, I was matching in affiliate income um, and so that that took the risk out of me um trying to trying to do something a bit different so what i found was um because i was more passionate in the affiliate side of things i would then try to um i would spend much more time on the affiliate marketing side and so i had quit my job um I went to Australia for a year mm -hmm. and whilst, whilst in Australia, I then, um, I, I focused much more in on my websites and then blogging and learning. And I, I really didn't plan to become an agency. Okay. I had, I set up, I did set up a company website. It wasn't a, a company itself. It's just a website called SE Optimize. Um, and that was, because I wanted to be taken more seriously as than just one person. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's probably because I also wanted to rank for stuff like SEO agency and it was purely a, if I can have SEO in a domain name, <laughs> it's sure. a good start. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, I think what I found is through blogging about my experiences, I then realized other people had the same problems and it started to attract attention that led into um client requests so um that made me take things a bit more seriously but mm -hmm. yeah so two, 2006 was the start of se optimized but honestly year one was um i i was in australia so yeah i i spent the year traveling and working through affiliate income and, and some small consulting clients um and it was enough just to again kind of Looking back, that was where I'd say I kind of just built my skill sets mm -hmm. and started to build a very small client base. And it was the start of the agency. But at the time, I, I definitely wouldn't have said that was what I was growing. My intention was always to go to Australia and actually get a job. Um, and I then realized that you have to change job every three months, which just made uh. doing anything professional out of the question. <laughs> mm -hmm. And... Um, my plan at the end of the year was to come back and get a job. And I, I realized that being in Oxford, I couldn't do SEO really for anyone in the local area. And yeah. um, I I'd built up a client base that meant that it was in a position where I could um, continue. Okay. So at what point did you sort of start, uh, you know, start making that switch from where it's just the one man show of Kevin, Kevin Givens to a, uh, you know, more, when did it start to look more like an agency? Was it you were just starting to get more clients at that point and you couldn't manage it yourself? Or did you uh, just, you know, consciously try to start building up an agency? 
No, there was definitely a conscious decision of let's build something. And um, I've always been interested in business. Um, and I think even today, and this might be something to touch upon later, but uh, I almost feel like in many ways, my passion now is probably less on the day-to-day -day SEO side than it used to be and much much more on the business side of let's really grow a great company. Mm. Um, and I, I think... I think there's always been that passion there, but I've, obviously you only gain skills for experience. And back then, when I came back from Australia, which was in March 2007, um, I received out of the blue kind of an email from someone that was uh, um, a local, I'd say, business entrepreneur um, who had worked um, on a... It's like uh, it was actually a dry cleaning business on a, a business part, but one that was kind of quite innovative and and doing doing well. But he just left that company and wanted to have a chat because he was into Google AdWords and was keen to set up his own thing. And that was at the same time that I got back from Australia and realised that with my small base of clients, I could actually keep this going as opposed to getting a job. And it it seemed like a, a very good match. And I would say it it. it did work incredibly well where uh, he brought more business expertise i i brought more experience in um the actual day-to-day -day craft if you like of of doing seo and the consultancy mm -hmm. um and between us i focused on keeping our clients happy with achieving results and so stuart my business partner focused more on the the growth of the business in terms of sales and um Again, I think the, the plan at that point was, okay, let, let's grow this. But from a very low base, we had a handful of clients. We worked from his kitchen in, in his flat um, was, our, was our office. Um, and we've definitely had a number of months in those uh, early years where we, we weren't getting paid at all or we when we were, it was very low. So, um, yeah, it was really like, let's try to build things up from here. But target local businesses and build things um, in terms of the client base. And, and from there, I guess once we started to fill my time, um, it then got to a point of, okay, well, how do we bring someone else in um, to, to spread the load? And then you realize you're, you're starting to become a company, but it really is kind of almost like brick by brick, if you like, building things up. Um, and always kind of two steps forward, one step back in terms of, how it's going it's never completely uh, clear-cut in terms of yeah it's not always growth there's always challenges and bumps in the road but um yeah it's really focusing on what we what we do well and how we can do more of it and there, over the years there's definitely been different trends of how do we reposition ourselves and reassess what it is that we're really passionate about at where are we strong where do we want to go and um, yeah, in, in the early days, you you kind of have to take on everything that you can, but you also need to make decisions further down the line on where to focus. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you you know there were there were times where you weren't getting paid. What sort of kept your you know kept your passion up for for what you were doing, and how did you keep going during like the tougher times? Like what what kept you motivated, even though you know you were you know you weren't making lots of money at that point. I think I just really enjoyed it. I, I definitely enjoyed, and still do today, like the, the satisfaction I get out of 
we've achieved amazing results for our clients is mm -hmm. that's that's what we do it for we don't it it's not about we've taken someone's money that doesn't if if we haven't done a good job that doesn't sit well with me at all and I, that's when i know i should be more concerned because that's where kind of you expect to be fired further down the line because what you're doing isn't working whereas mm -hmm. for me the the real reward of let's um do something great together with our clients has has made me think as long as we're getting results and again this isn't just in the early days this is today mm -hmm. um if we're getting great results for our clients i can be really confident about the next year ahead if we're not getting great results for our clients i can't because i know that they should be asking us tough questions and unless we turn that around we're going to have some difficult challenges to face so everything has to be yeah very much around what is it that we're here for and how do we deliver upon that promise and in the early days i think just being young having low overheads i think i lived with my parents back then so again it's kind of um making sure that i just didn't need that much money i guess was a nice way of taking the risk out of things whereas if um it's further down the line then obviously life gets more expensive and it's harder to take those risks mm -hmm. so knowing now now you know um when you were building up your agency is there anything you would do differently looking backward um it's a difficult question to answer it's always i feel like all the learnings i've had through the mistakes have got me to where i am today so it's all in my mind necessary um and i also think there's no point having regrets because you can only influence the future anyway but i i, I do if i was to look back and say that the things that we've done now based on the learnings of what we have in the past is probably around how do we focus on a key a key problem that our clients have and how how we can be the the best solution for them for a narrow focus as opposed to trying to do everything that they're willing to spend money for us with um mm -hmm. also how do we make sure that we can deliver on those promises so focusing much more on the products of what we deliver so in terms of have we got the right talent in our team are we are we delivering excellence as opposed to do we look good marketing um, in terms of our marketing and thought leadership? Are we attracting leads? Are we winning new business? I think the focus for me has been very much more around how do we deliver excellence to our clients? And as a result, we retain and grow. But also I think you have to learn from mistakes in order to get clarity around your thinking and you have to try new things. Um, in the past, we, we offered a number of services, so paid search, social media, analytics, et cetera. And now I'd say we still have awareness around them, but it's not something that if, if a client comes to us and asks for that, we we used to say yes. So I think we've, we've even done some web design and definitely that conversion optimization, UX. So there's been a lot of things that touch upon SEO. Um, and now we have different partners that we can put our clients in touch with. So we know that they can still get a good job but it's we don't try to do everything we try and I, we we went for a stage where i think we were good at everything but great at nothing and i think from that stage forward we've really said okay what is it we're really passionate about and how do we focus upon that as much as we can and become great and then keep making our focus on how do we get even better
as opposed to broader. So, so those, those would be the learnings. But like I say, I feel like you need to learn what doesn't work in mm -hmm. order to really get clarity around what does work. Right. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so after that, we'll fast forward a little bit. And um, I wanted to sort of find out about, so when SD optimized, sort of, did that become Blue Glass UK in 2012? Or was that, or did Blue Glass become a separate company and you just sort of exited SD Optimize? I was trying to get this, the transition straight. Yeah, sure. So I guess just to give you a bit of the backstory, I've, since I think 2010, have been attending US conferences. Um, I've always, definitely back then, I remember I, I rewrote our whole strategy as an agency based on a SMX Advanced conference I went to that I think was in 2010, okay. certainly around content marketing, which was phasing towards, con um, link building that's phasing towards content marketing at the right. time. Mm -hmm. And um, it was well ahead of what was happening in the UK and that, that really helped. And I, I always um, I always found there's a large number of speakers in the US that were, were very strong and it, I think the, the points I had at, um, or what I realized is I went to, I think it's a PubCon event, and I think my favorite speakers from those events were Chris Winfield, Greg Boza, Lauren Baker, and they all worked for Blue Glass. Mm -hmm. And so um, then off the back of that, I decided to go to a Blue Glass conference um, in LA, and that was in 2012. Um, and I had a lot of personal circumstances that, the time so my dad died very sadly of, of cancer in 2012 mm. um and that just really made me reassess everything and in terms of um i mean i wasn't enjoying going to work more for that reason i would say probably than the work itself but sure. um i think that at that point in time i decided okay well i've really enjoyed what we've done to get to this point but I'm not sure what we're doing right now is where we want to be moving forward. And I, I certainly saw that what Blue Glass were doing in the US was ahead of, I wouldn't just say us, but ahead of what anyone else I saw was doing in the UK market. And I had some conversations with them around how do we um, potentially partner and team up with SE Optimize, my old company. Um, and then when I, I was really thinking about things. I, I just realized that where we were going with SE Optimize just wasn't the direction at the time that I was particularly happy with. Um, and, and again, probably not for one big reason at all, more a, a number of smaller ones that had, had added up. And um, I'd made the decision that actually I wanted to go it alone. And I kind of had to make that decision of um, would I prefer to be my own independent agency kind of owning that agency 100% as opposed to the 50-50 the situation I had before and I decided that I did um, there was an opportunity to speak to Blue Glass US um, a number of people involved in that so Richard Zwicky at the time as uh, the CEO and I had discussions with him about how we can become part of Blue Glass as the UK entity that very closely aligned with their plans, not just in the US, but to grow globally. Um, and it it felt like a good natural fit. And um, 
yeah, in terms of what they were doing with SEO and content marketing, that was exciting. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd made the decision that firstly, I wanted to go things um, go alone. And secondly, if there was an opportunity to join Bluegrass after that, I would, would team up with them. So we had a, what looking back now is almost like a, a temporary company. Um, but it, it, the decision that I made at the time was we're, we're going to be this company, but we'll explore the partnership opportunity. And if it comes through great, if it doesn't, we'll, we'll carry on as we are. Um, but, but yeah, the, the plan from, from that perspective was very much let's grow um, as an agency. And for anyone who's familiar with the story, it clearly didn't go to plan. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, and I think almost a blessing in disguise looking back is that it failed quickly. And at that point in time, I think there was a lot of very good plans from, um, in terms of global expansion, it was the reason I joined. I thought there's a lot of it that was very, very good. Um, but the company ultimately in the US um, shut down within six months, I think of us joining. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then it was our job to keep consistency for our clients and team so we i would say we had a tough year of trying to convince everyone that we although we had joined them um we essentially licensed their brand as opposed to being part of the same group from a business entity profit and loss perspective mm -hmm. so um and and i think what we found i'd say when we joined was that we didn't get the full benefit of, we, we expected, okay, Blue Glass have landed in the UK. Let's, we're, we're gonna win lots of clients off the back of this. And that, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, but looking back again, potentially that was a good thing because we didn't sell anything on the promises of the, the US situation. And all of our clients worked with us because of us as a team in the UK. So when the US arm disappeared from a client perspective, they were more concerned about other people are going to be working with on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, um, the quality of work, is that going to be the same? And it, it was. So although there was some short-term pain there, we we decided to keep things going and we built the brand up um, very nicely afterwards. So we, we managed to keep it going. We I decided at the time that potentially that this isn't the right thing to do long-term in terms of having the Blue Glass name, but we'd literally rebranded from SE Optimize to a new company, which was called Quatturo. Um, and then we became Blue Glass very shortly after that. And okay. that's um, rebranding again afterwards from a team and a client perspective just wasn't an option. So we, we kept things, um, we kept things going. We built things up as a, as the Blue Glass name from here. And then obviously we've rebranded, I think just over a year ago now, right? Um, which, Mm -hmm. which would have been our plan for a while, but it, I think most people can appreciate internal agency projects always kind of get shelved a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, take longer than you would like them to. But we, sure. we finally got around to let's completely own our identity for who we are, mm -hmm. which was the reason for the move to Resignal. Okay. So where, where did the Resignal name come from? Um, was that something that was something you thought of or um, like how, how did you come up with that name? Um, 
I think my track record of naming companies proved at that point that I needed a professional to come up uh -huh. from <laughs> um, a name that meant something to us. You could pronounce, um, etc. And so, yeah, we brought we brought in a brand consultant. Gotcha. He gave us a number of options from something very safe through to something a bit riskier. And we Resignal was one that we liked. Um, I would say we were uncomfortable with it initially for the reason that it was just very different to what we had previously. And the, the more we thought about it, the more we thought that actually, if we're going to rebrand, let's do something that is a bit different and mm -hmm. and that's what we went for and we for a number of reasons we liked signal as a term in terms of what we're doing is generating the signals that help our clients to perform better in organic search um and it's it's also a method of communication so we found that for us we like to communicate with our clients heavily and be involved in in being part of their team um and various reasons again one being the simple fact that it's a name that we could register a trademark for and own um we we decided that we liked it and it, a lot of it yeah kind of was a mixture of what does it mean to us mm -hmm. would we be proud if it was on our business card that we give to someone and in the end that was that was a name that really stuck and um yeah then then for us it was about getting everything else into practice in terms of how do we how do we bring this to life whether it's logos colors websites even through to what we do on a day-to-day -day basis with the quality of our work the thought leadership we put out there um it's it's really kind of how do we act and how do we position ourselves in the market so that we can play to our strengths mm -hmm. uh what would be some of your tips that you could share on um growing your your agency because i know that's a big thing for people who start out with you know solo but eventually want to you know actually build a proper agency so do you have any tips uh, of things that have worked for you over the years that you could share i think personally surrounding yourself with people that have already done it really helps so i've had mentors at different stages that have helped me i i certainly um in the early days, so SE Optimize, we took to, I think at the time, probably a million in agency fees, so a million pounds turnover, maybe slightly more when you include um, media spend. And that took us five or six years to get to that point. And what I found second time around was we got there twice as quickly. So we went from 250 to 500 to a million within three years. And yeah. I think the the reason that we we did it in twice the speed is I've, I've done it before. I knew what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, going back to our earlier point, I now have a, a network and a stronger reputation that means we can attract larger clients and probably more in quantity. Um, but purely just through, it's, it's almost a, the psychological thing of the, um, take the Rogers, uh, Roger Bannister one minute mile, um, not one minute, four minute, Four minute mile, one minute mile is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so, if once he did that, everyone else started to do it, and it's kind of this is achievable, but you only kind of get that level of confidence once you've achieved it, or if you're involved with someone else who's done it. If it's brand new, 
it's really hard to break through that barrier. Mm. And I think in that case, we've now obviously eclipsed what we've what I've done in the past, and we're now at a point that every year is new territory in terms of this is something that I haven't done personally before. And the only way to really fast track that and not just learn from every single mistake I've made is to surround myself with people who have done it. So mm -hmm. whether that is for mentors that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis through to just taking someone to lunch. So I've had chats with people that run, say, 10 million pound plus agencies and just ask them, what's coming <laughs> um, mm -hmm. what, what challenges did you face when you were at our size and how did you get through that and uh, i think that's that's really helped because everyone will have challenges it's just how you face them and overcome them that's the important thing um but yeah in terms of agency growth i think surrounding yourself with good people other tips i found is i i've tried to i think it's really important to look back i'm my 100 percent my own worst critic when i look at at stuff I always think about the pitches we lost or um, yeah, kind of the things I know we should have done better on that it's easy to say looking back, I'm quite bad at celebrating success. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of see, okay, well we won that. We should have, that's what we're here for. That's, that's certainly my attitude in a lot of cases. Um, but it's really important to start to think, okay, well, where were we a year ago? Where were we five years ago? Where were we 10 years ago? And then when you kind of start to put those pieces together, it's like you, you kind of have a lot more gratitude, or certainly I do, in terms of, okay, well, we have come a long way, and what we have done is good, that it, it makes you appreciate, okay, well, well, what we're doing, um, we could have done better. You can always do better. But mm -hmm. actually, um, where we're coming from, what, what we've done to grow has been impressive. And then it having that confidence, again, of, okay, well, what we're doing is working. Let's do more of it. Let's learn from the, the failures for sure. But also let's not forget about the successes. What did we do well? What should we be doing more of? Where should we be focusing our attention? Um, all the way down to what type of clients did we win? Um, why did we win them? Where did they come from? The more that you can analyze and make informative decisions, uh, I was going to say data. I don't know if it's necessary data. It's just looking at the evidence of, what's worked well for you um i think that that's really key because we we've certainly found when we look back we've won a large number of our large large clients through things like um other clients that we've worked with the people may have left and taken us with them because they know that mm -hmm. we've done a good job mm -hmm. for them in the past um, we we might have won clients because we we've, we've been active in the community we've known people for years leadership awards um yeah speaking blogging etc um one of the key findings i found is that when you look back very little has come from aggressive sales in terms of um kind of outbound sales calls or anything like that which we we did in certainly my first company we we did a lot of that and i would say it it didn't really pay off we did win clients but it it wasn't really the the big flagship clients that really drove us forward a lot of that came through um doing good work for other people and referrals and mm -hmm. again maybe i wouldn't say outbound sales doesn't work maybe that's just my failing of i haven't been able to make it work myself but in terms of what i think has worked for us it, it's certain certainly more of the um the word of mouth referrals and doing a good job so um 
that's where we've then become to focus more on um, yeah how do we delight our clients as opposed to in some cases how do we look amazing publicly which mm -hmm. is quite often attractive from a what's like an ego perspective of let's be seen everywhere because it's great etc <laughs> but actually i think what we found is although that that does attract interest um a lot of our biggest clients have come through the more direct referrals of someone saying we've worked with them before and mm -hmm. it, it makes it makes pitching new business much easier if you've worked with someone before and done a good job or you've, you've been given a glowing reference from someone that has seen your work firsthand mm -hmm. cool uh, so you mentioned that you've been looking, you know, looking back like five or 10 years. Um, so if you put your uh, CEO slash founder hat on, do you have sort of a proudest moment or greatest achievement from uh, all these years running your own agency that sort of sticks out as like, you know, just something that, you know, I don't know if it was like a major milestone or whatever the case may be, but is there anything that sort of sticks out as a proud moment or greatest achievement for you? Yeah. I certainly think for me, the big thing when you look back over five or 10 years is if actually I'll, I'll answer it a different way. If you look back over a year, it might be the um, the instant recognition, the likes of the big pitch wins that will stand out every year. There's um, there's always kind of one or two. It's like I'm really proud of what we did there. Mm -hmm. There's the award wins, etc. When you look back over five or 10 years, it's people. It's I've I've hired a number of people that have gone on to be absolutely brilliant and i think for me it's a very proud moment just to be involved in pointing them in the right direction and i i, I can't take um credit for their careers and i wouldn't want to in any way but um it, it's totally down to them their hard work and their, their ethic etc in terms of making that happen for themselves but being able to um bring people through and almost contribute towards to me what i've always wanted to do is to to help to build that next generation of, of digital marketers and I, I think there's enough people that i've worked with in the past that have gone on to do incredible things in terms of running their own companies being very senior whether it's at agencies or um or client side or, or maybe they've gone on to different industries but they've they've done incredibly well um and it largely in industries in some cases that they they hadn't even come across before they started working with us so i think to have contributed towards um helping make people's career and ultimately life better is extremely rewarding and like i say it's like i, I really can't take much credit at all before that but it, it's just a, a very satisfying thing to sure. to have said that they they spent a number of years with us and um that's helped to form who they are today mm -hmm. now you do mention that that's kind of interesting i was, I was curious if um you know where you where you have a pretty good track record in that area is there something in the hiring process where you can sort of spot something in people um or is there are there any like sort of clues that you're able to pick up on and is there anything that you can maybe share in terms of if people are hiring like how, how can they sort of spot these um, talented people when they're in the hiring process? Um, yeah, and I think it's something that, again, you learn from mistakes. You learn from what are the good signs, what are the bad signs, and, and what works. So, and, and looking back, there's a mix. I think um, 
and I think we've we've got much stronger at this. But to me, the culture is so important, and it's um, the cultural fit for who we are. You might have extremely talented people that are absolutely brilliant in some organisations, but they just don't suit us. Uh, you, for example, you could have people that have worked client side in large agencies, and they just don't suit who we are. Um, for different reasons but it doesn't mean that they're bad people it just means that they're not kind of suited for who we are and again it's it's finding the right fit both ways um i think also so for me the big thing comes down to attitude so we have um core values that we we hire and recruit against and um, mm. to help try and make sure that these people are the right fit for us um, but ultimately it's attitude if you've got someone that one of our values is always be learning. Um, I've I've never liked the opinion that of anyone who thinks they they know it all because I mean we know we're in an industry that if you're out of touch then um, I mean you have to stay on top of your game otherwise you are out of touch and yeah. yep. you have to always be learning and there's probably too much that any single person can know anyway so there, there's always more that you can learn that no, no one in my opinion is a um should be a self-proclaimed expert if other people want to call you that then then fine but um i think for me it's having that that passion that willing to learn and also being able to delight your clients if if we've got people that are willing to fight for our clients in order to that like they're really passionate about generating results you have to love what you're doing. You have to love the clients that you're doing it for because otherwise you're just going through the motions. And I think for us, if we can try and identify those type of people that they're going to put everything into learning, they're going to work hard, we're going to push them. Um, and at the end of it, they're going to come out much stronger because we're asking them challenging questions. We're trying to, to make them learn. Um, but they're doing it for the benefit of a, our clients and be themselves um it's no good anyone coming here and just doing what they've always done and mm -hmm. not trying to improve. i'm sure we can always hire people that can bring things from different companies and backgrounds that will help us but that isn't the level we're trying to get to that that's the starting point but then it's how do they learn and improve beyond the skill sets they have today mm -hmm. and hiring for a job role just based on the skill set they have in the past can be tricky in a fast-paced industry because they they have to be willing to learn and adapt and accept that change is the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, was there ever a time in your career where you were truly struggling and I don't know, maybe almost ready to throw in the towel and or I don't know, it was just like a real struggle to do your work every day. Um, and if so, how did you sort of overcome that or deal with it? Um, what did you ultimately learn from it? So it happens all the time. Honestly, it, it's, there's times that are good and bad, mm -hmm. but on the average week, as an agency owner, you will go through a roller coaster of, this is amazing, everything's going really well, we just mm -hmm. won this, et cetera, through to, we just lost this, someone's just resigned, whatever it is. And um, you have to deal with so much stuff that, I mean, I feel like my job is, I have to be optimistic. My, my plan, and I, I firmly believe that if you want something to happen or if you don't want something to happen, it will. Um, it's where you focus and your mindset is so important that if you're 
you're focused on a, a clear outcome and you're doing everything to make that happen. My view has always been, um, let's say it's a client pitch, for example. Um, if we've done absolutely everything we could and we didn't win, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I, I'll still try to learn, but I feel like, okay, well, we did it. We did our best. Maybe they'll come back because I still think we did a good job, but we didn't win for whatever reason. That's mm -hmm. disappointing, but we tried our best. The feeling I hate is when I know we've left something on the table. If I know that we've um, we've lost something and we could have done better, that that's painful. And I, I, I feel like that's the sort of thing where it's like we, we can't accept that. We need to do more. Um, sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes you could do more and you win. And that can almost get you into this delusional state of we're amazing when actually you're not. There's, there's something coming around the corner that you you fluked a lucky victory and you're you're not going to keep it going so again it's i i feel like having that paranoia over we can always be better and there's this continuous improvement mm -hmm. um it's it's helped me and again it's using that kind of to help us positively strive to be the best that we can be and move forward mm -hmm. as opposed to be the demon of um imposter syndrome of we don't deserve to be here that again like everyone falls into that trap myself sure. included but i feel like you can get too deep into that and I, I think for us it's it's how do we um yeah how do we try and um learn from everything that we're doing and and try and put a positive spin onto anything that we can because if if we can still influence it let's make it as positive as as we possibly can and if we can't influence it i I would say I'm typically very good at, at not worrying about things I can't influence because I, I do see it as being a waste of energy. And I think that's it, easier said than done at times, but it it's generally served me well in saying, OK, I'm, I'm going to focus my effort on what I, I really can change because otherwise I'm there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine any agency owner that is isn't going through that roller coaster of ups and downs. Um, I would I would be very surprised. Nothing is is linear. It's always up and downs. Mm. And um, I think, yeah, you you kind of have to embrace that. Otherwise, you're potentially in the wrong career. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we we touched a little bit on this earlier about how you know obviously content marketing has sort of uh, become a big thing in the SEO world. Um, right. And so I guess, I guess my question would be like, so as you know, big changes come along like that, how does that influence um, how you run your company and like the services you offer your clients and how do you sort of just stay on top? Uh, you know, as you know, as we mentioned, you know, this industry changes a lot. So how do you stay on top of that and also make sure that you're continuing to, um, you know, offer your clients the best stuff and, you know, know that you, you know, you're giving them the best, uh, you know, ROI for their investment. Um, I think it's having an environment of innovation and constant improvement. You have to be willing to try new things. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to fail. And the, the challenge that most agencies face is it's really hard to make sure that you don't go stale. So say if, um, you've worked with a client for a number of years, it's so easy to fall in the trap of just doing the tried and 
tested because you've done it before you can roll it out again and it will work again mm -hmm. um that's really where the best work happens the best work is normally where you try something that you've never done before it could go crazy or it could fall flat and that's where kind of strong account management really helps because it's all about setting expectations and making people want to try things that um yeah that it might not work so i think for trying to do content marketing is exactly the same content marketing i found um certainly in the early days i think it was i wouldn't say easy but looking back it was a lot easier than it is now and for the reason that the shift from traditional link building towards okay let's have a great story to tell let's mm -hmm. start to do proper pr around this and obviously back in those days you kind of heavily had a lot of infographics etc that it, it's just having a data-driven story will get you attention mm -hmm. um everything then becomes saturated and then if everyone's doing it you're not standing out anymore um and you have to push those boundaries of how do we do things more creatively how do we tell stories that other people aren't telling because otherwise you you look the same um mm -hmm. and i think for us it's been that investment of talent but also trying to get our clients on board with let's let's go for this let's try try something new and um push ourselves forward and my view on on content marketing is from an agency perspective right now i think you either have to be world-class at content marketing or potentially drop it as a service and not focus on it because i think it's very hard to to win clients if you're not doing outstanding work it, it has to be how do you really push yourself out there to to tell the type of stories in the creative way that it is generating attention and and that requires having a strong team having i mean content marketing is is interesting because as a phrase um it covers so much mm -hmm. it, it's not i've never found it's a it's not a job role it's not a channel it's something that you have to combine different skill sets you have to have say seo strategy may come into it it could be design development editorial um project management of making sure you've got the right people on the bus and um working in an agile way etc to to manage time scales um digital pr etc so it, it's definitely it's more the merging of different skill sets that have to come together and again having that right balance and being strong in all three of those uh, when i say three i mean kind of like the strategy the creativity and the promotion um is is really key because otherwise you might have amazing content that is well promoted but if it's not linked back to your strategic goals it's very hard to get future investment for something that mm. you can't prove if it's working mm -hmm. well or not um if you're not creative enough you can have a great strategy you can be very good at promoting and doing outreach but if the content isn't standing out it's you're going to have to put a lot more legwork into that promotion in order to generate the coverage and it's not going to snowball in the way that it would do if it's amazing content and and likewise if you don't have the the promotion um to the highest quality then again you're not going to generate as much coverage as you possibly could for for that content so i think it's really important now just to make sure that you're you're innovating improving and really really pushing the boundaries and i think again coming back to values and our earlier point 
one of our values is um, to be proud of your work. Mm -hmm. Everything I want to see us produce as an agency when it comes to content marketing, in my mind, should be better than our previous best piece because otherwise we're going backwards. We have to be looking at how we can um, learn from the past and how we can really push that forward. And um, and that's a key thing to strive towards because then we know we're, we're always improving and we're not just doing the tried and tested. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, let's change gears just a little bit. Um, we were talking before we actually started recording about uh, you've been very busy doing a lot of speaking this year. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, speaking at conferences. Um, sort yep. of maybe we could start with, um, you know, if you look back on, on where you started, uh, you know, speaking, like how you've evolved over the years. And also if you have just any sort of maybe a uh, couple tips for people listening who might want to eventually uh, get up on the stage and present themselves. Um, just any uh, sort of insights and tips you could um, provide from your own experience. Um, I feel, and again, looking back now, I did it because I, I attended conferences in order to learn. I then found that I think after a certain amount of time, I realized what I had to offer could be of value to the audience. And I think, again, people go through stages at first where you kind of think, oh, what, what do I talk about? How could I, how could I be different? And I, I think, again, it's kind of confidence through competence more than anything else. I've realized that what I was doing was, was working and I had information that I could share with an audience. I, I was confident that they could learn from that. Um, I definitely wasn't a natural speaker at all, and it was something that I I wouldn't say appealed to me. Um, and I, I really kind of pushed myself out there to do it for the benefit of the company in terms of thought leadership and also just going to conferences and feeling like, oh, I could have done more, I could have spoken at this event rather than just attended, mm -hmm. led me into thinking that, okay, well, let's, Let's try to to do this. And I I think my old business partner kind of pushed me into it more than anything else. I remember my first public speaking gig was terrible. Um, <laughs> and so I wouldn't say just do what I did. It's, I, I definitely didn't feel that comfortable on stage. I, I felt, but what I found is in the early days, uh, the first conference talk I did was at SMX London. And I completely over-prepared to the point that I knew my content inside out. And mm -hmm. that really helped because I knew that even if um, I wasn't amazing at the delivery, I knew that what I had to share was beneficial to the audience. Mm -hmm. And I felt that, yeah, kind of the worst case scenario is people can still learn from this. And that, that really helped at me because then I thought okay I'm, I'm excited to share this with the audience because I know it's it's good content that people will learn from and I think that's it it's when when you know you've got something that people are, are going to react well to um that really helps and I've definitely again looking back over the years the the presentations that have gone the best for me are the ones that I'm I'm truly passionate about sometimes I think looking back I probably agreed to speak about topics that I'm familiar with but I don't have a deep level of expertise in and um, for obvious reasons I would say they're not my best talks and the ones that I'm really passionate about 
and that's where I can get more excited about it and share the types of ideas that people can learn from. So I think probably being selective over the topics you're discussing would be a tip for me. Don't just try and secure the best speaking gig or the first speaking gig you can get hold of and talk about something just because that's what the the organizer is looking for. Uh -huh. um, but also I think you I think you have to push yourself and to get out there because I think everyone is typically if you've never done something before, whatever it is, you're probably quite bad first time around. Uh -huh. Um and you you have to go through that process of going from bad to average to okay to good, etc. Uh -huh. And and you become more comfortable at these things over the years. And it, I would say for me, I've still got a long way to go to to improve my my skills in that area. But I, I, I'm much more comfortable doing it now than I would have been back in the early days, just through to the fact of getting on stage, getting out there. And then I think maybe for other people that haven't done that, it's almost the fear of, I don't know, maybe the fear of having this build up over over years makes it even harder to make that leap whereas if you do it and almost don't think about it so much i think um just getting out there maybe maybe doing something in front of a smaller audience at first but then building upwards is is probably the better way to go and take the feedback on board but try not to take anything too personally because obviously you don't want it to be to the point that you're you're put off ever doing it again but but i i would say for me in terms of my career it's had huge benefits of just being able to establish relationships and being able to, it helps with networking. So if you've spoken at an event quite often, you'll then have a lot of people that will ask you questions after your talk or in the bar afterwards. And that's a really good way to meet new people is because they're then coming forward to you. So it's, um, it's, it gives you access to the other speakers, which again kind of helps to, to build your, your network in terms of having stronger contacts. So, um, I'd highly encourage it for anyone in the industry that hasn't spoken at events and they want to in order to develop. I think it's a, a really important skill set. Um, mm -hmm. Equally, I appreciate it's not for everyone and some people prefer, um, I don't know, say maybe writing versus speaking. There's, there's different skill sets for everyone. But um, I do think it's something that is worth exploring for if, if you have that kind of um, desire to do it, I would say just do it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned writing. So, um, of course, you used to do some guest writing. Uh, we actually met when I was editing for Search Engine Watch, and you were a contributor there. So um, do you still uh, think that um, writing for industry blogs is a good way for people to get known? Um, and would you have any tips for uh, people who want to write? I know it's much more competitive these days. Um, so how can people stand out today? I feel like I've lost touch with that in a lot of ways. And okay. it's more through the, through the fact that I used to write very frequently through Search Engine Watch, e-consultancy. And mm -hmm. for me, that was the big thing, certainly before conference conference talks, but even in the early days. And I guess this adds to the previous point. Some of my best presentations have been blog posts that I've then mm. turned into presentations afterwards. So I, I've already got a deeper level of understanding around that topic because I've researched it and written about it and kind of got my thoughts down on paper. Um, but I think that blogging for me has helped to open doors that I probably wouldn't have been able to otherwise. 
Um, whether that's changed versus the past, I don't know. I think it has. I think it's it's now more competitive, and I feel like I feel like there's less attention paid to blog posts and, and just in general. Um, it's I'm always wary of how much time I spend on my mobile phone. I, I think it's scary for myself and um, a lot of other people. Just how much time you spend distracted doing like I can't tell you anything I've done that's really worthwhile that I've done on on my phone versus say a laptop or a meeting or something like that um and I think that's the world we're, we're in now if you look at readership of articles a lot of it is mobile based mm-hmm. um if you're on your mobile it's very rare that you have someone's full attention they're probably skim reading um and I think in order to stand out it's now just much more competitive People like bite-sized information. Um, I don't think that means that long-form content is dead by any means. I think there's there's still a place for it. But creating an article that I mean, we've written articles in the past that we we might have won three or four clients off the back of one blog post in mm-hmm. a very short space of time. Um, I don't really think that happens anymore. Maybe mm. I mean I don't write as much anymore. <laughs> Maybe right. the quality of what I'm doing is better. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think. Um, I think it's harder to attract that level of attention that was possible in the past. But yeah, likewise, I'd like to think you could still do that. And but I think it's it's maybe not the single piece of your strategy. I think you now have to combine that with maybe having um, kind of like the content pyramid around the the pillar content. Your maybe the, the more micro content around the social updates. People consume content in different ways now so it could be that you you have a a more in-depth article but some people you just have to accept are, are just going to see the the headline or the um the short form version on social media and they they potentially don't want to see any more than that and i feel like that's a shame but i think that's just the way that people consume content mm-hmm. all right a few uh, fun questions for you now uh what was the best piece of SEO advice or professional advice that's ever been given to you and who gave it to you? So one bit of advice I've had is this is from Chris Winfield actually who um, used to be involved in Bluegrass but what's the easiest way to hit your goal? It's so obvious but he always used to bring me back to this where I would overcomplicate quite a lot of situations and say, oh, this will be really fun. Let's do X, Y, Z. And he would just bring me back to, okay, well, what are you trying to achieve? And what's the easiest way to hit your target? And I would always kick myself with it's like, what you're telling me is so basic, (laughs) but why didn't I think of this? And to give you some examples, one would be as an agency, we typically have quite a lean team um, and we have quite a lean client base. We try to keep our team relatively experienced and we have clients that are, say, mid to enterprise level. Um, And what that means is for us, it's more of a quality versus quantity game. And if I want to speak at an event or write a blog post or run an event, etc., I don't 
need to be in front of hundreds or thousands of people. I need to be in front of, say, a handful of the right people and the right audience. And I think what I found through just having the advice of what's your target, and let's say my target is I want to win one client. Um, the best way to do that would be to get in front of, let's say, two or three target clients that fit the criteria of where we want to be. And then it's it's more a case of, okay, well, how can I appeal to them? How can I, even if it's as simple as, can I set up a coffee with them? Um, can we, rather than how do we run this amazing event that appeals to everyone, but really we only want 1% of the audience, it's more how do we focus on that 1% that we're really targeting? Mm-hmm. Um, that that has really helped to narrow my focus around what's mm-hmm. most important. And again, we're, we're in this distraction-led world where there's so many shiny objects and things that can take your attention away and not necessarily in the right direction. So I think um, that bit of advice has always helped me. And the same with client strategy. If a client has a goal, what's the easiest way to hit it? And quite often agencies would definitely be guilty of this, of how do you come up with something that sounds really exciting? And quite often exciting and results are not the same thing. And I would I would take the approach of let's get the results first and then worry about what you can do that's exciting afterwards. That mm. might lose us some pitches, honestly, because people people might find that a more dull approach. Um, but I think the ones that we really want to work with and the ones that are results focused would appreciate, okay, well we're we're putting our efforts behind where we think it has most value, so it's prioritized in um in those key areas so i think um i think that would be my advice and just generally keeping things as simple as possible there's oh. there's no need to overcomplicate anything and I, I found um certainly over my career of talking to people about seo um the the type of feedback i get is they're they're very receptive to the fact that I don't try and make SEO sound like a dark art or rocket science. I try to talk about things like how we can make websites more accessible, how we can improve reputation, how we can do the type of things that will will lift performance mm-hmm. without really going into technical jargon and stuff that may confuse people. And it, again, there's different approaches, but I'd never like to win business because I'm confusing people and they they need to hire me because they don't understand what I'm saying I would rather they understand 100% of what I'm saying but they're aligned in where I'm going with it and and they still want help Mm -hmm. on the other end what would be the worst piece of advice that uh, you you have heard in the past or continue to hear to this day like something in SEO related marketing related could be or even business related um What's the worst thing that you're that you still hear people saying as advice? I think this goes back to our blogging conversation. I think the the reason I probably said I'm disappointed a little bit in terms of how online content perhaps isn't as powerful as it used to be in terms of say the blog format mm-hmm. is when we go back to the start of the conversation. I learned SEO by um, running experiments as a test and learn environment of finding what works mm-hmm. and what I'm disappointed by within and this this is a generalization it is certainly not everyone by any stretch but let's say we've interviewed some people before and it, it feels like they've they've revised 
blog posts or headlines and they've taken assumptions from what they've read. But they have. when you ask deeper questions about, okay, well, what have you done before? What have you ran um, experiments around? What, what have you really done that you're proud of that you've made an impact on? There, there's not much depth to it. And I think there's an inclination for people to read blog posts, skim headlines and make assumptions that this is the right thing to do mm-hmm. and not to run their own experiments. And uh, one example of this would have been, I attended a PubCon in, um, which is a topic that came up again recently. This was in 2016. And there were a number of speakers at the event that were talking at the time, the hot topic being disavow files. And they made opinions, which was, um, you don't need a disavow file anymore, so um, don't use it. And what I found from that, that really, it's just a, a different mindset, was they're just making opinions, and it wasn't necessarily based on evidence so i took that and ran an experiment which was okay i'm going to remove a disavow file um and i'm going to see what happens because that's just the way i've always done things i'm not just going to read something take that for granted and then apply it and kind of set it and forget it or cross my fingers and hope it works i'm going to really kind of be as granular as possible on seeing if if this is working and so I, i ran that experiment i wrote out the results in this instance, it was a, a positive uplift in rankings and traffic. Um, I wrote up the, the results from that. And I think the thing for me is, in my mind, that's always the way that I've done things. I, I will always try to test and learn. What I found disappointing from that is that people will then skim the headlines and see, okay, well, it worked for us, so they need to then go and do it. And that's that's never what I'm saying. And that's the reason why I wrote that post is because uh-huh. I think you need to do more experiments yourself in order to learn what works, what doesn't work. And mm-hmm. um, don't just take my word for anything. Don't take anyone's word for anything. Just go away, run your experiments. Every site, every sector and niche can have its own differences. Um, and unless you really know what's working for you, um, I think it's difficult to to prove what you're doing is working. So I think for my learnings and my advice, and this is something that we try to get across as an agency is, is almost start small, but aim big. You kind of, you want to have that ambition to, to grow, but you need to make what you're doing as measurable as possible in order to get buy-in and prove what you're doing is working. So, um, so yeah, don't just take someone's word for it, go out there and try it for yourself. Uh, if you weren't in search or marketing, what profession would you love to be doing instead? Good question. Um, I honestly don't know. I've done this, this so long. It would be weird to think of doing anything else. Um, <laughs> at an early, at an early age kind of going back to say kind of school years, I, I've always been pretty fanatical about football. Um, I'm not going to call it soccer, <laughs> but I'm English. So, <laughs> Um, but I've, I, I wanted to be, I've, I've been quite interested in writing, which again is kind of how I, I got involved in the SEO industry in a, in a kind of backwards way in some ways is like writing about what I was learning. And I wanted to be a sports journalist. Um, that was something that was passionate to me back then. I can still see the appeal. Um, I've also, also liked to travel, um, for that reason, I went for a phase of 
I'd love to be a pilot. I've never really pursued either of those beyond it, it being something that I'd, I thought would be a good idea kind of back in school years. But but yeah, now I've, I've done this for so long, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But also, I mean, I touched upon this earlier. I, I feel like my true passion now has become how do we build the best agency we can be? How, how do we bring together a talented team alongside clients with challenges that we can provide the best answers for. And in some ways I do feel like perhaps having worked for myself for so long, I'm potentially unemployable. But on the other hand, I think the, the skills that I've, I've learned lend well to potentially other industries as well. So even through to stuff like I've always been interested by things like say more, management consultancy and how do you fix business problems and um that's that's the type of stuff that excites me and sometimes it may means making the hard decisions that no one might wants to make but if you can do it because you have a clear long-term vision that you're working towards it it does make things easier i would say um but yeah i think i think my passion is growing businesses and actually being able to watch them grow and benefit through the decisions that you're making um for myself has been been a, a key a key thing as my career has developed uh, that's certainly something that i'm i'm keen to do more of okay uh in your opinion what would be the key or some keys to uh to people who want to have su- sustainable success in our industry um drop the ego honestly and mm. um, i i think Sustainable success has to come from <clears throat> feeling like you can always be better and feeling like you have to be learning. And um, for me, I think that's probably less hands-on from an SEO perspective, but at least paying attention to what our team are doing, mm-hmm. what the, the client challenges are. Um, you can get distracted by what you think is important. Um, and actually, it's the paying customer and their challenges so actually spend for me spending time with our clients and understanding what their real problems are what is it that they're doing outside of us um as their their own focus activity is really helpful um but but yeah in terms of building a career it's sometimes it's longevity as well i think um in my case you don't get there's no such thing as an overnight success you have to put the work in you're you're not going to be a renowned blogger or speaker off the back of two or three blog posts or events. It's it's consistency over years, honestly, that really helps. Um, you, you can make an impact in a short period of time, but in order to keep things going to a higher level, it, you've, you've got to prove that you know what you're talking about over a, a longer period of time. Okay. Uh, what are you most excited about in either SEO or content marketing or just general digital marketing right now what's most exciting to you so one thing i find exciting and terrifying is just the future of search so we we have at the moment i think we're in a situation where google still control a hell of a lot of the market so 90 percent market share in the uk um there's big shifts in 
kind of I, I always look at the user behaviors probably more than I do the algorithm updates honestly I think when you look at the shifts of people from desktop to mobile to the potential of voice search being the the number of sales in voice devices uh, the increased usage it it's more about the behavior and the changes that people are having um, in a lot of ways in order to predict the future so um, the impact of if you have a mobile phone, obviously apps are more popular collectively than a, a browser. Um, and I think I, I do find it fascinating to try and look ahead. And I think the the flip side of that is you don't want to get too distracted. It's a it's more of a dip your toe into what could be coming in the future in terms of I mean today would be more say kind of featured snippets as an entry into voice search, etc. But um, just the way that the world is changing and how people access information as quickly and easily as they do, for me, keeps us on our toes. So then the challenge is if this is how people are looking for content and information for our clients, how do we be the best answer for them? Um, and in some cases, it might even be like feature snippets as a good example of you, you'll have results that don't require a click is then how do you get that, that brand impact potentially more than you, you might have to accept you're not going to get the traffic. And that change in landscape all the time, I think is the, the attractive side of, um, again, kind of the only constant is change. And um, yeah, some of that is scary because it's, it's maybe less, Im less impactful or less measurable than what we've had in the past. But at the same time, we have to look ahead and we have to understand what's coming in order to provide the best service to our, our clients. So, um, so yeah, trying to keep an eye on the future without totally going all in on something that may or may not happen, I mm -hmm. think is really important. Very cool. Um, my final question, what is next for Kevin Gibbons? Um, I think looking, uh, and again, this is maybe a key to everything, is I feel, feel like you have to look back in order to look forwards. But looking back, I think for us, a large amount of our success has come from um, focus. So being laser focused around where we can drive value to our clients. And, and that today, I would say, is very much around having a strategy-driven um, or a a content marketing strategy essentially for our clients that can help achieve their goals so mm -hmm. for us making sure that we can deliver on client goals and expectations through best of class seo and content marketing is where we want to be and it really is a case of keeping that focus um in terms of how we we want to to move forward and again i i feel like a lot of where i want to go is again the you don't know what you don't know i feel like i'm i'm still at a stage where i'm learning a lot i i read a lot of books i try to, to um attend events speak with different people from different perspectives and i think in the past i've been guilty of I, I've, I've said this for a number of years when it comes around to january 1st it's like okay we go again let's do the same thing but not make the same mistakes and i, I would say that served us well I would say it has helped us to learn from what hasn't worked. But also there's a different view, which is how do we do something that we've never done before? And you don't just get that from 
looking backwards, you have to look ahead as well. So I think trying to anticipate where the, the future problems are. Um, and I think this is when, when you look at different industries, certainly if you aim much bigger and you think of the, the famous Henry Ford quote of, if I, if I would have just based things on our customers, we would have looked at um, how to provide a, a faster horse as opposed to building a car. And um, there's a number of Steve Jobs quotes as well. But again, I think um, really it's trying to look ahead about the things of where things could be going that people don't even expect yet. And I feel like there's an element, when we got involved in content marketing back in 2012, we had a mixed reaction um, which was some people thought, oh, this is great, we should be doing it. Other people thought, this is ridiculous, it's never going to take off. And um, we were, to my mind, the first agency or first SEO agency in the UK, which really hung our hats on saying we're a, a content marketing-driven agency. Um, and I feel like that's actually a, a good thing. If everyone thinks what you're doing is great, then maybe you're not looking far ahead. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it's trying to challenge and push myself in terms of where should we be going that potentially pushes it pushes the edge of those boundaries, and um, it means that potentially we're taking a few so educated risks and and bets, but um, in order to to push forward, because the worst thing we can do is just rest on our laurels and stay the same as we've always been because then we're we're not standing still we're actually going backwards so so that's a key thing excellent uh remind everybody how they can find you on social media or elsewhere online and uh if there's anything in particular you'd like people to check out uh, now's your opportunity to let them know uh yeah of course so social media so if you listen to this feel free to add me on linkedin um that's probably the the main place that i'm active on social these days uh twitter is just simply kev gibbo um but but yeah and in terms of our so our website's resignal.com if you've got any questions i would say definitely feel free to to drop me an email or probably go through the, the contact form on the website or, or message me on social and i'm more than happy to get back to you as well Awesome. Well, Kevin, that does it for us. Thanks for joining us today and sharing your story. I know I learned quite a lot from you back in the day from reading your excellent posts on Search Engine Watch. Uh, and right. if anyone listening is uh, ever at a conference where Kevin Gibbons is speaking, be sure to attend his sessions. Uh, you will learn a lot from this super smart guy right here. Uh, so thank you, Kevin, for all you've done and continue to do to help our industry. And I appreciate you uh, taking this time to chat with us today. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. It was really good. Thanks. Uh, so that does it for us. Uh, thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. And I hope you will tune in again next week for another great episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, and you can follow Search Engine Journal at SE Journal on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to follow me, I am at Mr. Danny Goodwin on Twitter. Uh, and that's it. So, so long, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening.